So you're speaking to a source in government and that guy will use the word uh, exponential very indiscriminately and then the reporter will come back and use the word exponential equally indiscriminately. When you have numbers, when you're writing about numbers, you have to do the math and see whether the logic adds up. You have to do the math and make sure that the numbers are consistent. I mean, most journalists I know do not do this math. If your data story makes people stop and think, I, I, I think that is a far more, it is a far better result than, you know, just traffic. And, and I think that's far deeper engagement uh, than just traffic. Hello and welcome to Data Shadow, the podcast on all things data. This podcast is a series of conversations with experts and industry leaders in data, and each week we aim to unpack a different compartment of the data suitcase. I'm your host, Karthik Shashidhar. I'm a blogger, newspaper columnist, book author, and a former data and strategy consultant. I currently head analytics and business intelligence for delivery, one of India's largest logistics companies. You can follow me on Twitter at Karthik S, that is K-A-R-T-H-I-K-S and read my blog at noenthuda.com, that is N-O-E-N-T-H-U-D-A.com. All opinions expressed in this podcast belong to me and my podcast guests and I do not reflect the views of any organizations we might be associated with. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be taken as financial or legal advice. There is a conception or misconception that journalists in general are not good at maths. It's rather common to see newspaper headlines and graphics that make basic mathematical and logical errors. On the other hand, in the last decade or so, we've seen a massive rise in data journalism. With more and more data being available, journalists are able to write stories exclusively based on data. So how do these two square off? To answer this, we have Sukumar Ranganathan, Editor-in-Chief of the Hindustan Times. He was previously Editor of Mint, of which he was one of the founding editors. He has previously worked in editorial leadership roles at the Hindu Business Life and Business Today. Sukumar has degrees in Chemical Engineering, Maths and Business Administration and is interested in Mathematics, Science and Technology, the History of Business, New Media and Data-Based Political Journalism. He reads and collects comic books and is an amateur birder. He's a massive fan of the Grateful Dead. He tweets under the ID at HT underscore ED. So Kumar, so there is this widely held belief that journalists are not good at maths or they are not good at data and so on. And you see, and just sort of in the papers you see, including in your paper, that you see some arithmetic and logic errors from time to time. So is this characterization correct that people in the media are largely enumerate? And if so, why is the case? I think it's it's one of those generalizations that is actually pretty accurate. Usually generalizations are not, but in this, what you're saying is, is pretty much the case. Uh, I remember once my former colleague at Mint, Niranjan Rajadaksha and I were talking about how we could make millions if we set up a 
seven module course on mathematics and numbers for journalists and, and uh, a few weeks later i happened to mention this to the to a senior editor from an international newsroom and he said we'd also be interested in something like that so i so i think it, it it's not just an indian phenomenon i i, I think it, it it's a phenomenon that exists around the world why is it the case the most obvious reason is that a lot of people who are in journalism from the arts background they they're from the liberal arts background some of them have studied journalism even in the undergraduate level no harm in doing any of this but but all of them are people who seem to have uh, dropped math in class 10 i mean if i go out i'm in the office right now uh, if i go out into my newsroom where there are around 25 30 people which is the number that we have during covid Uh, if i go out and ask them how many of you dropped math in cl- after class 10 I, i think 70% of them would put their hands up and say we did right and 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 that is one reason the the other reason is, is just that um i don't think they apply their mind enough when it comes to numbers they apply their mind enough when it comes to other aspects of good journalism but but i think the numerical aspect maybe because they are not trained and and some of this training is very basic training but maybe because they've not been trained maybe because the numbers just they, they don't get down to it so so which probably explains why uh, you find rudimentary arithmetic and uh, logical errors of the sort that you were just mentioning uh, you see that all the time and 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 it's also evident in how they write right to give you an example they say most the most common term that they use when they are speaking about numbers is they will say more than a lakh now if you say more than a lakh it could be you know could yeah it could be any number i mean it could be infinity <laughs> right i mean it it, it could it, it could be 97 lakhs and 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 it is so you know it is just that you know they they don't understand that at least is a better usage than in a case like this but but you know so we reflects in that reflects in a completely indiscriminate usage of terms like exponential right uh, without understanding what what it is right and 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 uh, it, it's also because of how it's also because of how indians speak right Uh, terms like usp exponential all of these have crept into uh, popular terminology so you are speaking to a source in government and that guy will use the word uh, exponential very indiscriminately and then the reporter will come back and use the word exponential equally indiscriminately so uh, i think a lot of these are things where they just don't apply their mind where they're not careful enough when it comes to looking at the numbers and that reflects in what is put out in every newsroom including the newsroom where i work yeah so because i have seen right like for example I, i i remember i mean you mentioned more than a lakh and things like that i remember there was this sometime last year uh, somebody was reporting covid cases in karnataka and i think 95% of the cases uh, were in bangalore at that point in time and then the journalist reports that like okay today we saw some uh, 1200 cases or whatever a majority of them are in bangalore so when it is 95% and you characterize it as a majority as a majority correct it doesn't give you any information right because majority could also be not at all so, majority could just be 51% right i mean we, we, it's like you're right so but those are that's exactly what i was explaining they just don't think 
enough about the fact that when you use the term majority it needs to be used well now in this case if 9 out of 10 cases are out are, are in bangalore the usage of the term majority tells the reader nothing so just like they are being trained in how to communicate with words i think it's very important to train them in how to communicate with numbers yeah and uh, also you had mentioned that like sort of they don't apply their mind enough when it comes to numbers right what i find is that me as a reader and i work in data on a day to day basis that i find it hard to sometimes interpret the numbers that come out in the papers i don't know if it is the way it is reported or if it is just that interpreting numbers is sort of not an easy thing to do for the for the human mind when it's sort of part of large sentences no i i i think it's a very valid point that you raise and 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 which brings me to something that i tell all my people all the time Uh, the reason you feel like that is because we have not done our work journalists have to do the math when you have numbers when you're writing about numbers you have to do the math and see whether the logic adds up you have to do the math and make sure that the numbers are consistent i mean most journalists i know do not do this math so as a result if 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 there are you know they're trying to explain something or make a case using numbers they will just use the numbers straight out of a table that say someone gave them straight out of numbers that someone happened to mention to them without even checking whether these numbers are internally consistent uh, and and that is a big big gap and and because that that is exactly the feeling that you are getting because then the reader you are forcing the reader to do the math then the reader does the math and then says that oh my god this doesn't add up so so probably the story is nonsense right and so i think it's very important that journalists have to do the math first before writing the article yeah and one of my other pet peeves i think I'm, i must have told you this during my time at mint you have one article which has one number in uh, millions of dollars the second number in that article is in crores of rupees and so and you have force mental math on on the reader and this is something that i see pretty much every day in every publication right yes i know and and i see there, there is all publications are guilty of this including the publication where i work i i think any number needs to be translated into uh, a common unit that people can understand the second thing is unfortunately a lot of counting in india happens differently indians are among the only people in the world or indians who've been through a certain system of education are probably the only people in the world good schools good colleges people like you went to iim uh, count units of anything other than currency in millions and billions but unfortunately count units of uh, currency in lakhs and crores unless you work for a for unless you work for a foreign investment bank in which case you count that also in millions and billions and confuse people so we have two systems of counting in this country so when you are looking at units of cars sold and everything else you count it when you are looking at sales you tend to look at it in crore uh, except that crore and million are two entirely different families right i mean you if you're using yeah so so you you need to that that translation is important so i think everyone all newsrooms need to have a proper style guide on how they will deal with numbers 
and of course if the number is in a different currency you just have to translate it so that it makes it easier for people to understand and in this day and age especially because our market is global something you write can be read by someone who's in poland someone who's in nebraska right makes sense to convert all relevant numbers into us dollars because um, the dollar is the currency of the world right? so everyone at least gets a sense of how much you're talking about yeah and also like i i, I think uh, so uh, sometimes i brought this up that like i mean um i i, I must have put at least 20 10 tweets in the last 5 years about this inconsistency in currency same article having different currencies and for every time the replies are no but uh, i can't understand rupees if it's in millions and billions yes i understand but if you just bring it to uh, if the entire article has one currency i i can just make more sense of it don't keep making me multiply and add by 75 you should not make readers do the work it's a very simple thing right i mean and and i think uh, all of us are guilty of unfortunately uh, forcing readers to do the math and of course sometimes what happens is when people convert in the newsroom they get the conversions also wrong and is this is the readers work only limited to maths or is it in other parts of journalism as well where you kind of make readers do some logic or some calculations in their in their heads it's largely math right i mean i i, I don't think there is any one area where there is as much of a gap as there is because let's look at it this way someone who's writing on agriculture even if that person is a if that person is a half paid decent reporter will understand agriculture quite well and will be able to get across his point of view to the reader even if he's not a great writer will be able to get across his logic his argument what he's saying math is where there is the biggest problem of course the um, you can also argue that uh, there are issues with signs right that but even there i think the problem is not as significant as it is there in math but to answer your question very accurately i would say that let's say if someone writes let's say suppose someone writes an article on birds and and, and my son who is who is majorly into birds reads it he will find 15 mistakes but but you know that that that's at the level of deep expertise i i don't i don't think for the lay reader it's it's pretty much all right but but i just think that in math there there's probably much more of a gap journalists are notoriously enumerate as you mentioned i mean and 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 that often gets in the way of logic it gets in the way of facts it gets in the way of investigation investigative it gets in the way of how you report numbers the only other area where i think there there is similar issue again related to numbers is in the reading and analysis of balance sheets which at least the financial papers do reasonably well not very well i mean i mean for instance we used to have really good people who, who used to be able to understand the balance sheets and we made sure that they conducted workshops for the rest of the newsroom because if if you can't read a balance sheet and a profit and loss uh, statement there's very little business reporting that you serious business reporting that you will be able to do irrespective of your beat right so and this so this innumeracy carries over into understanding of finances understanding of corporation finances understanding of state finances understanding of corporate finances so it is really a handicap
and this innumeracy is it there both i mean is it even in in broadsheet newspapers and and in business newspapers or you you think that business journalism has uh, business, business journalists are a little more numeric than the uh, mainstream journalists there are enough people in both newsrooms who are reasonably numerate right and there are but in general business newsrooms tend to have more people who understand numbers better but at the same time business newsrooms have their share of people who are extremely numerate and end up writing complete nonsense and which if you are lucky someone will catch it if you are unlucky will get published and then will need to be corrected later so so there are enough people there but but in general i think what you are saying is it it is a reasonable thing to say business newsrooms are a little better off uh, than uh, mainstream newsrooms but not a whole lot better off and one of the other impacts of like sort of bad data analysis in newspapers what which i have found in the last couple of years is that it impacts public policy because in some some way the what politicians learn the narratives that they get and so on sometimes is guided by the newspapers what the newspapers have written so for example two months back there was one day where the number of covid cases in bangalore had doubled from 200 to 400 and and then you had all the papers reporting that oh the number of covid cases has shot up but when the number of covid and this was due to like some there was some holiday the previous day so there was inadequate but when it goes down nobody nobody really says anything if if so it's almost like a lot of reporting is one sided right like man bites dog is news dog bites man is not news so if you read newspapers over 100 years you will if you get your news only from newspapers you will think that man bites dog is the normal thing because that's what comes in the newspaper i think uh, you raise an interesting point not about the man biting dog uh, but about the uh, fact that in case in instances like this the use of averages journalists like if you're looking at something like a trend line for covid cases a 7 day average or a 10 day average is a better descriptor of a trend rather than a daily number that goes up now this is basic right i mean it is not even stat 101 it is even lower than that but there are a lot of people who need to be told that this is the way that you need to go out and do it instead of just looking at daily numbers swinging wildly and daily numbers can swing wildly because tests could be delayed there could be a public holiday in between so it makes sense to look at averages but that is an important aspect of the kind of training that i think journalists need to know right i mean when does it make sense to use what kind of number when do you use averages when do you use median right things like things like salaries makes sense to use median but you you will invariably find a lot of people not using median when it comes to that so you know i i think there there needs to be a focus on making sure that they understand what numbers to use when and and it, it's also true when it comes to the kind of graphics that that you use right i mean what graphic are you going to use in which context uh, when do you use an ogive when do you use a bar chart when do you use a pie chart when do you use a scatter diagram so i i think those are all things that people need to understand so every newsroom that i have worked in for the last what so many years almost three decades i I've, i've made sure that the art director who's the person who in charge of graphics reads edward tuft right and 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 i was lucky because you know abel robinson who's the person who's there in mint and and you interacted with him 
and abel obviously i introduced him to tuft and i i think he became a big fan i think he's actually read more of tuft now than i have he's got all the books and and you read tuft you will because i i think tuft is probably the most authoritative source for newsrooms on uh, when to use what kind of visual information right and 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 if you can get your people who are the people who are your graphic artists your art designers your the, the people who are actually taking the data that the journalist or the analyst is providing and converting it into visual format they will know what to use and so i think that you you need to work at two levels one you need to make sure that the journalists know this and two you need to make sure the people who are actually visually representing the data that your journalists are providing also get to know this i, I personally think it was one of the things that stood mint in very good stead that the fact that you had art people and and an art chief who who actually assimilated a lot of tufts learning learning and 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 implemented that in daily work actually when i was writing for mint i think one of the my first interactions with abel was a, it was a small argument we had on whether to use a scatter plot or not for in some case he was like yes it makes sense to have a scatter plot here but most readers will not be able to understand it so why don't you use something else else for this and i forget how we uh, resolved that but after a while i, I remember starting uh, i started making my own things and said okay you take this graph and then like you were starting from what i have uh, i have given you how has the reporting of the data and numbers changed over the last 20 25 years or like has it improved or has it like is it still as are we still as illogical as, as we used to be no it, it it improved by leaps and bounds and and the reason it improved by leaps and bounds is because you have proper data journalists now across newsrooms i i remember in mint when we set up our data and we formally set up a data unit although we were among the earliest to start using uh, good data analysis and and data journalism story but we actually set up a proper data journalism unit uh, quite some time back and and it was um, we were among the first newsrooms to do that and now i think many mainstream newsrooms in india have proper data journalism units which are staffed by people who understand numbers people who can code a little bit people who can decide how stories need to be visually depicted so the quality of data journalism across indian newsrooms i i think has improved hugely you know so if you go back 20 years and and you know 20 30 years the unfortunate thing about every generation is that they think that their generation did the best work so there are enough of these old editors that i run into from time to time who speak of how great journalism was in their time and i then have to unfortunately bring them down by telling them that they are unlikely to find a place in my newsroom because you know they don't have what it and and uh, i i think there was no proper data journalism back in those days the, you you look at the kind of stuff that is being turned out uh, and and let me start outside our organization whether it's in hindu or money control where of course uh, the hindu doesn't have any alumni from mint but money control has a lot of alumni from mint yeah, correct yeah uh, who was part of our data team yeah. uh, in fact both the ravis are there i think uh, and uh, or ht and mint of course where it continued to uh, do very well there is a lot of excellent data journalism that's uh, going on right now how did it start i mean like so uh, i mean for the context of the listeners you were the first person to sort of and uh, 
give me a break in terms of like getting me to write for a mainstream newspaper rather than for a uh, blog so I, uh, and then like we had uh, i think there was how india lives who used to do another very strong data series for mint and then of course like you said set up a large uh, formal data journalism team so so how did this idea first come about on, on yeah, using more data in the newspapers and how did how did you go about implementing data journalism see first of all i i don't think i should take credit for this because i i think it was much more of one of those evolutionary things rather than me waking up one day and saying that oh we need to get into data journalism it it is something uh, see while data journalism is new journalists have always use a little bit of data in what they do and the smarter journalists have always known how to use data it's just that i think we put a very very proper structure around it and we increase the usage so previously you know if one article out of every 10000 used data we we've now brought it to such a level that across indian newsrooms around 10 15% of articles actually use data and they know how to use them so so it's just that in, increase in this thing Uh, i i think one of the reasons we did it was see, there was also a time when you could not have done it especially government data not available online not easily available you'll have to get it from reports the reports don't come out with great frequency so the, there there has to be a progression to this the first one is really the availability of data and i think in india a lot of data started becoming available starting at least online starting the early 2000s right so so data starts becoming available then you need to have the right kind of newsroom it's not a newsroom that is focused exclusively on journalism but a newsroom that is realizing that there's a, there's more to journalism than just uh, journalism right i mean uh, there's more to journalism in, in, involves coding involves visual depiction involves data analysis so you need to go out and hire those kind of people and i think in mint we were very lucky that we had those kind of people and what we didn't have we went out and hired or we just outsourced right i mean we found very smart people outside uh, people like you for instance and and in your case i reached out to you because i was sent an analysis of i think it was a karnataka election that you analyzed yeah. right and and i read it and i said this is exactly the kind of political analysis that should be there in mainstream journalism because i think you've done a fabulous data crunching uh, thing with it and drawn some very nice learning and niranjan i think was the man who forwarded it to me and and then so which which so and i think increasingly you're seeing a lot of those skills now Uh, beginning to be assimilated into newsroom so so for instance roshan kishore who uh, works is my colleague in hindustan times works in the hd newsroom I, i've got a small unit but but again very disparate expertise he's a macro economist and and so his political economy understanding is fabulous so a lot of his pieces are on the political economy he, he's got a colleague Uh, who works for him roshan runs that team so he's got a, a colleague who, who who's started specializing in weather and climate uh, among other things that he does then there is a third person who specializes in microeconomics and commodities so again you know there's a different expertise and these are all areas where you find interesting stories that can be done how easy is it to find these people reasonably easy because you spoke fairly poorly of numeracy skills in newsroom uh, i think numeracy skills numeracy no that's all right. numeracy skills in this country are actually quite high as you know there are there are enough there are enough mathematicians there are enough engineers there are enough coders who are fabulous when it comes to numbers and it's quite easy to go out 
and and get those people to come and work for newsrooms because uh, some of them are interested in journalism and 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 then you just have to go out and find the right kind of people i think mint also started running a fellowship which helped attract more people there so so it, it, you get young people and you uh, tell them that we will train you in both data science as well as journalism it appeals to uh, a certain kind of person and then you manage to get uh, some of those people into the system like abhishek who works with roshan who's the specialist in weather is one person who came in through such a system right it's interesting because i think if you think about it data journalism is a sort of it's one of those skills where you need a, a few orthogonal skills to do that right one is like you need to have skills in data maybe some coding you need to understand numbers and you need to be able to write so i would imagine that it's it's possibly not that easy to find somebody who's like sort of who has potential in all, in all three of these skills there but one correlated actually all of these are skills that can be taught to people who have some basic level of intelligence right i mean none of these is really rocket science even the data part of it which is actually the toughest part of it is actually not very tough so you can teach people how to write i think the tougher bit is actually trying to get them to understand what makes a story defines a story and what uh, people will be interested in and and why data journalism matters because because the ultimate aim of data journalism and and i say this to everyone and they look at me as if i'm mad but but the ultimate aim of data journalism is to give complete control to the reader right because all databases are hugely unstructured my job is going to be to structure them intelligently my job is going to be to write a fabulous editing engine on top of it and put a very nice visualization engine on top of it so that if a smart reader is looking at that and wants to find extra stuff just keep in the stuff and the and it turns out the output right so so you give control to the reader because and and i think um, again not an original thought there was a time when both the world bank and imf experimented with this for some time this was in the 2000 in the decade of the 2010 said i don't think they do it anymore but they were among the uh, first proper interactives which didn't really restrict the level of interactivity to what the uh, producer of the interactive design but allowed the readers to sort of define the parameters right? yep. and i think it's possible to do that if, if if you have enough time and if you put in enough effort i think it's possible to do that so that should be the ultimate aim of data journalism because data journalism is uh, data can break stories data can investigate and find stories that people don't want you to find it's very difficult to hide numbers right because math everything is mathematics right i mean people look at you know the epidemiological curves and and you know they wonder what rules it follows uh, sure everything depends on the virus mutants all these things but at the end of the day there are certain mathematical truths that this curve will have to follow and in the long run this mathematical curve will be the same across countries yes. it's, it's not as if it it's not as if it's going to be one thing here and another thing elsewhere so so i think it is important to acknowledge these things and understand these things to to really understand or to really appreciate what all you can achieve by just looking at the data aspect of journalism so 
how do you know if something if a data story is good i mean i'm sure in your at least in the last decade you would have edited tons of uh, data stories so how do you know what's a, what makes for a good data story what uh, readers are going to appreciate and is this is the way you will edit an online story different from the way you would do it for print when it comes to a data story see the, the good thing about i mean let me come to the second part the good thing about doing a data story online is online allows you certain kinds of interactivity even even online allows you to share the data with the online allows you to allow a little bit of uh, reader flexibility in saying i want to see this parameter compared against that parameter so you don't even need to do anything with the text the fact that online allows these things to happen is good enough for an online data story but otherwise the data story i mean there are various scenarios and, and i spoke about some of these in, in some cases it's just newsy right I, i remember one of the it's very difficult to find data in india right so i'll give you an example i think it was what 2014 we had several controversy and uh, in this country and and a lot of controversies have got to do with what people eat so i think it was in 2014 that there was this one of these controversies over beef and uh, roshan who used to work for mint then did a fabulous story called who eats beef in india yeah okay looked at it across caste and looked at it across states now everyone thought he just pulled it out of a chart yeah uh, so there were enough people who copied it i mean there are several of these aggregation websites that just take stuff and use it but several other people used it saying and the source was the same source for meat nsso data so i called up a couple of those guys and said like where did you find this in nsso data because it is there in district level data and that data had to be cleaned up and aggregated which took these i mean roshan and another person who worked with him spent several hours on it to collate it to make some sort of sense and then from that distilled some insights on okay this this is the community where beef is eaten these are the states where it's eaten and and so what makes a data story in this case it was news what makes a data story a trend if you can highlight a trend right yeah. in a data if you if you can show that x proportion of cases of covid are being caused by a certain strain and that this is a strain that you know so you know it's a trend so trend stories make for investigative stories the government or someone else claims that this is the scenario but this is not actually the scenario because if you look at the numbers there's really no change between last year and this year if you account for this right so fourth discoveries people say that delhi's air pollution is caused by x factor but a detailed analysis which has been carried out over the last five years shows that it is actually caused by y factor which is a discovery story so you know you, you have a bunch of these things and and it's very easy to say that you know if you're a journalist or an editor you look at any of these and you know that oh my god i've got a great lead because readers are immediately going to be hooked by this particular thing now uh, that's true of everything right i mean Uh, you just have to approach take the data approach to everything sports i mean you know i know you did a lot of stuff uh, on sports uh, apart from all the other things that you did but but you know um, 
Uh, and, and it could be very simple. T20 matches are more unpredictable than one-day matches, more unpredictable than test matches. Strategy seems to matter more in tests. Form book seems to matter more in tests than it does. Uh, the largest, longest unbeaten streak in, I think, is 27. In one day, in one day internationals, I think it's 21 or 22 or something. And and in T20 cricket, if you leave out Afghanistan's performance in uh, an associate championship, the longest streak is nine, right? So so you know now if you say it that way, it's it, it immediately a story. But the story that you've got on the basis of numbers. So, so and and I think that's what you need to look at. So so the important thing for data journalists is to try and see, and you can approach it from both sides. Right, which is the fun thing. One, you can have a hypothesis and say, okay, great, I have this hypothesis about cricket, about COVID, about politics, about sex, about what kind of pizzas people like. And let me see whether this hypothesis is borne out in data. So you take that approach. The other one is to look at the data and crunch the data and say, oh, the data is showing this. Does this mean that this hypothesis is valid? Right, so you you can approach it from both sides, and and the the better data journalists actually do both. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, I think in textbooks you read that everything is should be done through hypotheses and things like that. But when you start working, you realize that like you'll be let's say testing one hypothesis, and then the data will tell you something else about some other question. And exactly. Then like, and then you write a second piece on that. Right. Correct. So, because it, the, the numbers are just so, sometimes you get a hypothesis just like that, but sometimes you get an hypothesis by looking at the numbers. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, but how is a reader reaction to data stories? I don't know if you have a way to measure them and so on. Like what has sort of kept you going in terms of, in terms of data journalism, apart from the good quality that you've been uh, getting in terms of supply? I think uh, you get a lot of feedback. Now, now, there are two ways in which you can look at feedback, right? I mean, obviously, there are certain data stories that check all the boxes. Like uh, the Roshan data story on beets went viral, right? But it, but it went viral because, you know, at that point in time, this, this whole debate was so communally charged uh, that the story was bound to go viral. But, but I think virality or, or traffic is a... It, is not such a great way to me- to measure the effectiveness of data stories, not yet. And, and the reason is, I think most newsrooms produce a lot of journalism, right? I mean, so so we do, if, if you look at some of the stuff that hindustantimes.com puts out, or if you look at some of the stuff that Times of India, their website puts out, or if you look at some of the stuff that the Indian Express site puts out, these are all stuff that is meant to generate traffic, to, to get eyeballs and things like that. And, and things like that will always manage to get much more eyeballs than what, you know, a, a serious piece of data journalism. But I think the quality of readership, and this is evident from the, the feedback that I get from people who send messages, who send mails and things like that. It's like what you say, right? What you said at the beginning, if your data story can inform policy, can enable better policy making. If your data story makes people stop and think, 
I, I, I think that is a far more, it's, it's a far better result than, you know, just traffic. And, and I think that's far deeper engagement uh, than just traffic. So I think that is the way you have to measure it. And of course, the ultimate test of will happen as our, and we chatted about this just before we started uh, talking about data. A lot of it will also be reflected in how the paid or the subscription model of a lot of newsrooms like Hindustan Times, uh, like of other newsrooms that use data of men pan out. Are people paying for proper data stories? And and I would think that they would. Sure, you'll always find more people who pay for pornography, right? But but that is that is that that is the nature of the world. But but uh, you will I think you will find enough people who pay enough for data stories. Yeah. So turning one of my earlier questions around, right? I think we spoke about what makes for a good data story, and we took a few examples. What makes for a bad data story, in your opinion? What is it? Some, something like that you were, uh, yeah, are there certain things, if you see them in the story, you wouldn't publish it and, and so on? Yeah, I see the most unfortunate thing is uh, there is data numeracy and there is data numeracy. You know this better than anyone else. Uh, so it's very easy when you're looking at a set of variables uh, to establish a correlation between any two, right? And, and, and this is the biggest pitfall in journalism, right? I, I've seen it across so many articles in, in, in so many newsrooms, which, and some of which actually, including international ones, and some of these actually make, make it to light of day. They actually publish, uh, which means they've cleared some process. But you know this, right? I mean, and, and the correlation is not causation, but, but people yeah. just assume that, oh, these two things, they're, they're showing a relationship so there must be a link. There need not be a link, right? And and and, and I think, and it definitely need not be a cause-effect kind of thing. And and I think people make uh, a lot of those mistakes. And 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 I think you see that very often in some of the output that comes out. That is a bad data story. Sometimes people just go too much into granular detail of the sort that readers are quite honestly not interested in. Again, doesn't make for uh, great data stories. And this is especially true in political journalism, right? I mean, where it's possible to slice and dice and then slice further and dice. And then uh, uh, you go down to... Uh, and then on the basis of that very finely uh, sliced and diced data point, you jump back and make a hypothesis. And I see this so often in political journalism, right? I mean, you you drill down till you come to one point and then on the basis of that you come to an hypothesis and then pass it off as this great uh, big blinding insight that you have which informs politics as a whole in this country it's not the case right so so i i i think just like sometimes people read too little into data and sometimes they read too much into data so, so I think that that's something that they have to watch out for all the time. Yep. And also one more thing is that nowadays, I mean, with the rise of social media, as you can see, a lot of journalism is sort of getting politically polarized, right? I, I don't know about your papers because, because I, I don't see anything there, but in some papers you can see, okay, based on the masthead, you know what the tone of a particular story is going to be, or based on who is writing, you know what the tone, tone of the story is, is going to be. And the thing with data is that 
with some with some clever analysis you can get the data to tell you what you in some way unless you are in some way what you yeah, want yeah you can you, you're right you you don't need to fudge the data you can just shape the data in a particular way the but it's quite easy to see through that especially if you understand data it's it's quite easy to see through that uh, if you don't understand data and the unfortunate thing is a lot of people don't um, at least for some time you can fool people into believing that oh this narrative is accurate because it is based on data while in truth it's based on data which is taken in such a way to prove an existing hypothesis and you know this as a data scientist right i mean you you have a hypothesis i can just pick and choose the kind of data i want to choose and to show what's happening like for instance if i wanted to speak about the economy at this point in time and let's assume my narrative has to be purely positive then i would just simply leave out all informal sector data right so so i just look at formal sector data and then i can say like oh my god look at this things are extremely good but but you left out a sector that accounts for uh, the bulk of employment in this country uh, a lot of enterprise in this country small enterprise and and your your uh, so so it, it, you're right it is easy to do that but i would like to think that uh, a lot of data journalism that i see and i i look at data journalism in three or four places right hd of course mint the hindu um, as some very fine data journalists and and i don't see these narratives in at least these newsrooms here uh, i i think that there is a certain sanctity which is attached to the data and i know the people in both hd i don't know the people in the hindu's data unit personally but i've seen their work Um, and there are also independent data analysts right i mean you used to do a lot of data analysis there's there's this very smart young data analyst called rukmini who does a lot of data analysis and she did a lot of stuff around covid also and um, i don't see any narratives that are emerge that they seek to perpetuate through the use of data uh, so i would like to think that uh, there is this certain unwritten code of data journalism right which which at least Uh, all the good data journalists follow yeah yeah no no completely makes it so i guess if you just go with a sort of a reputable source it's likely that you can avoid this kind of sort of data cherry pick sort of form your narrative kind of uh, analysis i guess so sukumar i think that's it's been a fascinating conversation it we uh, to end this is a sort of a question i end all my conversations with so what do you if you if let's say either a journalism student or some other student were to come to you and ask you how to become a data journalist having been one of the pioneers of this in india what would your advice to them be don't i don't think you should use the term pioneer so let's let's leave that aside but i would think that first thing most important thing is you need to know your basic math and statistics there is no substitute for that you you can't suddenly say that you know software can help me do everything i will get everything done and all that you need to understand because i think math and stats uh, especially when you do it well is not just about it's not just a technique and and you will understand this because i think you are a living embodiment of this it is a mindset yes and 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 i and i think if you have a good background in that you have that mindset 
Uh, it's not a mindset that can just be acquired by you know reading a few books or getting stuff done and all that. And I and and the best time to acquire it is actually in school. However bad some of our math teachers may have been, right? I mean because we've all had good teachers, we've had really bad teachers. Uh, and some of them make even interesting subjects like operations research sound very boring. But then fortunately, we sometimes end up with great teachers who open your eyes to what I, I really understood operations research when I studied manufacturing, right? Because I, because I had a practicing man who was a manufacturing consultant to companies who taught me and, and he, he just opened my eyes onto what operations research could really why we were really studying operations research and what it could do for you. So I, I think it's very important to get that grounding. It's very important for data journalists to know some level of coding. In this day and age, I think it's important for everyone to know some level of coding. But I especially think that it is important for all data journalists to know some level of coding. It's not very difficult. man. I mean, you, you go out and, and you can learn some of these things fairly easily. There are Coursera offers very interesting courses, easy to pick up. All you need to have is the desire to learn. The avenues that are available now are phenomenal compared to the kind of avenues that were available even three, four years ago. Yeah. And the third thing is to acknowledge the fact that while there might be glamour in TV journalism, especially anchoring and all that, and, and there might be a lot of fame to be had in, you know, investigative journalism or long-form journalism and all that. Often very possible or often only possible to tell the real stories that matter through the data. And I think that is, is probably the reason why people should want to become data journalists more than anything else. listening to data shatter if you like this show please leave a comment share and subscribe to the podcast you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you go to get your podcasts once again this is karthik signing off thank you